Good morning, church. Happy New Year. You made one of the best decisions the first Sunday of the new year, and that is to be found with your family in the house of God. That is a good thing. How, how many of you ha have your notes? How many of you got your notes when you came in this morning? How many, of you, how many of you are pretty convinced that we messed up and put the wrong date on there? Yeah, look at that, huh? No, that, that was intentional. Yeah. Because here's the reality, church. What you and I do this year is going to matter in 2021. 2021 is going to hit us exactly like 2020 is hitting us this weekend a year from now. And some of us can think back a year to what, what we were talking about for our New Year's resolutions. And, and I'm not here this morning to, to, to get, take us to the place where we've, got, where we've made a New Year's resolution this morning. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of a guy, Bill, to his friend Dave. He, he leaned over to Dave and said, Dave, can I borrow a cigarette? And Dave says, well, wait a minute. I thought you gave up smoking for your New Year's resolution. He said, well, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm in phase one of my New Year's resolution. And so he said, well, wait a minute. What's phase one? Well, phase one is I've stopped buying cigarettes. We, we so often, we, we, we make a big deal about New Year's resolutions, but, but we really don't follow through most of the time. Now, I'm not down on New Year's resolutions. As a matter of fact, my, my hope and my desire is over the next few weeks, we as a church family, every one of us on an individual level is going to be willing to stop and look at where we want to be in 2021. Here's the reality, church. I, I really believe that if, if we want to be intentional about this next year, let me go even farther. If we want to be intentional about the next three years, where do you want to be in three years? Where do you want to be a year from now? Where do you want to be three years from now? I actually made two lists. They're short. They're not very long. But I'm, I put together two lists of, of what we could accomplish, some of these in a year. Some of them might even take three years. But if we were intentional about this, and, and here's my good list. If, if you wanted to over this next year, you could learn a foreign language. You could, you could purchase any number of a couple of programs, and over the course of the next year, you could successfully learn and be fluent in a foreign language. Three years from now, you could be an expert in that foreign language. Over the next year, if you wanted to, you could master a sport. You could decide to play golf, or you could pick another sport, and you could say, you know what, over this next year, I am going to master this sport. I'm going to be able to play this sport. Or maybe you've got some college credit stacked up here and there, and, and you know that over this next year, or, or certainly for three years, you could actually, if you wanted to, you could get your degree. Some of us could actually learn a skill a brand new skill for a brand new career over this next year. If we wanted to, we could do that. 
over this next year, you could read 12 books. You could read a book a month. My goal for this year in terms of books is to read a book a month. I want to make sure that I do 12 books this year. Now, you might get a little bit messed up and have to go to the bookstore and get a couple of really skinny little ones to help you stay in that schedule. But, but it would not be hard to do 12 books this year. Maybe your goal for you is over the next year or certainly maybe over the next three years, you actually want to own a home. You want to buy a home. And if you got focused in, you could accomplish that. You could do that. Maybe over this next year, you recognize that you just need to be healthier than you are. And part of that would, would mean, you know what, I, I recognize that I really need to lose 20 pounds. And over the next year, you, 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 you get intentional and you lose 20 pounds. Maybe you're way overweight and maybe for you that the target would be 50 pounds. That's a big deal to lose 50 pounds in a year. But here's what I know about you and I know about me. I know, I know that where our diets are right now, if we wanted to, if we got serious about this, we could get intentional about just eating a little bit better and moving around a little bit more. And what we could do is every single week, we could lose one pound. And over the course of a year, we would lose 50 pounds. When we get intentional, when we stop and think about where we are and make some real clear thoughts about this and recognize where we want to be in the relationships of our lives, where we want to be in the finances of our lives, where do we want to be in our relationship, where do we want to be with our relationship with God? Over this next year, early this coming year, we're going to be offering Financial Peace University again. We do it twice every year. We, we give our church family the opportunity to change their financial world. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Or maybe, just maybe, maybe you want to make a drastic change in your relationship with God. Maybe you want to do that. Maybe you want to read through the Bible in a year and have a full understanding of, of a fuller understanding of God's word. Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you've not been here very long. And for you, the thing to do is to take your Bible, go to the New Testament, and read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you do that, and then you finish that, and then you start it again, go through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and you, you get to know who Jesus is and what he wants to do in your life. And then on the third time, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you add the next book, the book of Acts. So you not only get to know who Jesus is, you get to understand how the church was formed and what God is doing through the church. And you do that over a couple of times. And at the end of the year, you will be a totally different person. If you read two chapters of the Bible a day, 
In five years, you will have read the Bible three times fully and completely. And it would probably change your life so much that, that, that when people introduced you to someone, the people in your life introduced you to someone, you, that they would say things like, yeah, he used to be very different than he is now. She used to be a different person than the person that you're seeing now. But then I, I, I continued. I started to put together a bad list. Uh, you could take this year, and at the end of this year, when you step into 2021, you could actually be at a place where you're going through a divorce because you neglected your spouse. See, we, we make right decisions and we make wrong decisions, and, and, and our lives are on paths that ha every path has a destination. You could spend your life binging on Netflix and not grow in any area of your life whatsoever. You could do that over the next year. You could, you could make some decisions. And when you're stepping from 2020 into 2021, you're dealing with an addiction to drugs that you cannot shake. You might step into 2021 with a trail of jobs that you've been fired with because you've made wrong decisions all along the way. You could step into 2021 20 pounds heavier than you are. Or you could make decisions financially that would leave you with credit card debt so large that you're struggling to manage your finances. See, here's my goal for us. My challenge this morning, what I really believe we need to stop and look at, and in this message, really, there's, there's one point, that, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it so clear that, that we all understand that it's actually the reason that we're going to stop and take these three weeks together and look at this topic. My goal is that in 2020, you and I make Good and wise decisions. That's a really good place to say amen. In 2020, my goal is that you and I make good and wise decisions. Oh, I knew there was a church out there. You see, what you do becomes who you are. The things that you and I do, they shape who we are. As we look at God's word and we, and we spend time in his word, you know we recognize that God has his ways and he reveals them in his word. Another thing I recognize is that you and I have our ways. And what reveals our ways is our checkbook. When we take our phone and we open it up and we start scrolling back through people and look at the texts that we've sent, that, that reveals our words. We grew up in homes where our moms and our dads modeled their ways. Our parents lived the way they live in front of us and, and we watched them model it and we watched how they spent their money. We watched how they, they, they handled conflicts. We actually watched how, they, how their actions 
flowed out in their lives. And we actually watched and listened to and learned from our parents their worldview, how, how they viewed politics, how they viewed religion, how, how they viewed the world around them. And you and I adopted some of those as our own. And that's part of what shaped us. Used to hear the phrase, well, he's, he's stuck in his ways, or she's stuck. How many of you remember hearing that? She's stuck in her ways, which is only a bad thing if their ways are bad. John Maxwell says something that really has stuck with me through the years because, see, there's a problem that we have when we're making New Year's resolutions and when we're stopping and we're thinking about our lives and, and the future of our lives, we, we, we tend to think too small. We, we tend to think short term. We, we're not willing to think beyond a certain point. And Maxwell says we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. One of the things that I notice about our culture is that we, we, we don't stay with things long enough. We give up on things too easily. We make our goals for the next year, and then by the end of January, we, we're ready to let go. We're ready to give up on it. I was looking at some statistics this week. The average pastor stays at a church three years. Three years. The, the average youth pastor stays just two you're laughing because some of you know you're teenagers. <laughs> See, I, I grew up in a home, and my, my, dad, my dad pastored the church that he was in for 54 years. The, the, there was a mentality of, of commitment and stick-to-itiveness. This is a guy who came out of World War II who spent most of World War II in the 101st Airborne Division. And the, the short window of time that he wasn't in the 101st, he was in the 82nd, the two top paratrooper divisions. And stayed in Europe in the occupation long after the war was over, both in France and in Germany. Had over 100 drops in a parachute, with 100, over 100 parachute drops. And th there was this mentality that I'm going to do whatever it takes. This is what God has called me to. I'm going to do whatever it takes. As I open up my Bible and I read God's word and, and, and I look at how God lays out his plan and his purpose in my life, I'm going to do whatever it takes to allow God to do that in my life. I'm not giving up in January. I'm not going to walk away from this after the first year and things don't look so absolutely wonderful as I thought they should be. And Paul in Romans, in Romans chapter 13, he, he kind of digs in with this. And I want to look at this passage of scripture. Let me read it to you. You can read it in your notes. You can read it up on the screen. 
Romans chapter 13, verse 11, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. Paul's saying, listen, if, if, if you don't take charge of your life, your life is going to take charge of you. If you don't control your life, your life is going to control you. He goes on in verse 12, the night is about over. The dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. If you're taking notes this morning, and all of you have a... If you're not taking notes this morning, take your notes and grab a pen and underline that line. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Just underline the whole line. Henry Blackaby is famous for having said... Find out what God is doing and join in. If you want to be happy in life, if you want to be successful in life, if you want to fully understand and live in your purpose in life, find out what God is doing and join in what he is doing. Paul goes on. Look what he says. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. There are three words I want to look at with you right here, because I have to stop, and I wish I had a lot of time for these three words. I wish I could actually dedicate. This could be a three-Sunday series all in itself. But, but these three words, justification, glorification, and sanctification, when Paul is saying here, God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. When you first became a follower of Christ, when I first became a believer in Christ, when I accepted him as my Savior, instantly, that moment, justification happened. In other words, because of what Christ did on the cross and me accepting his gift of salvation, instantly, right at at that moment, I was actually saved from the penalty of sin. See, See, Jesus took my sins on him when he was nailed to the cross. It justification, which means it's just as if I had never sinned because Christ took that all on himself. That's justification. Glorification. Glorification is, a, these are three theological words, and, and, I, and I don't have th- three weeks to go over them, so I'm, I'm just going to just give you the quick snapshot. Glorification, th- that, means, that means when I leave this planet and I go to heaven, instantly, That process is glorification because what happens is I am actually at that point saved from the presence of sin because there is no sin, pain, sorrow, or or, or anything like that in heaven. And and I am saved from the present because sin is not present in heaven. So I then will be in a glorified state. The third one is sanctification. This is the big one for us because this is the one we live our lives in. It is the very process of being saved day by day from the power of sin 
as we daily yield our lives to Christ. It's the very process that Jesus takes, when he takes us in as his children, when we accept him as our Savior, he becomes our heavenly Father. He takes us on, and, and we, he begins this, God begins this work in us of changing us from the way he took us to making us more and more over the course of our lifetime to be more and more like Christ. That is called sanctification, as we follow Christ. That's what Paul's talking about when he, when he said, God is putting on the finishing touches of the salvation work that he began when we first believed. And then he goes on in verse 13, we can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity, in indulgence, in sleeping around. Does he get specific here? In sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything inside. Paul's saying, don't spend your life pursuing this stuff. And then in verse 14, he says, get out of bed, get dressed. Don't loiter and linger. Some of us go through life and we feel like our life is loitering and lingering because we're just not moving forward. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. In other words, thinking, well, I've got plenty of time, and, and, and I'll serve God when I'm older. I'll, I'll work on my relationship with, with Jesus when, when I get older. I've, I've got plenty of things I want to do first. He says, don't do that. Guys, I've, I've done plenty funerals of older Folk. But I've also watched as so many in the prime of their life have left this planet. We, we view life, we live this present life with this perception and this feeling that it is, we are alive now, and this is life, and, and it's going to be like this for, 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 we can't even think of when that might end, and, and that's how we think and live our lives. But the truth of the matter is, there's coming a day when we're going to leave this planet, and we were designed to live forever, just not here and now. He goes on to say, dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. In other words, if you say you're a follower of Christ, let's just do it. Let's just be honest about it. Let's pour our lives into that because this is God we're talking about. Let, let's, let's embrace this with our lives and let's do it the way he designed and, and let's be intentional and be successful in being intentional about following Christ. Paul's saying, let's get on with it. Let's not play any games. As I read this whole passage of scripture from Paul, there are four points and you're gonna see them right there in your notes. The first one is this, time is not on your side. Now the Rolling Stones have told you something else but time is not on your side. Time is fleeting. It's constantly going away. 
Paul says, dawn is about to break. In other words, be strategic about your time. David, when he writes in Psalm 39, verse 5, he's talking to God. He says, you have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as of nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. There are some people that you, you might look at it with him. He, he, he almost gives the impression he's going to live forever, or, or she, she doesn't have any problems, even those who seem secure. In Psalm 90, he says, he, he says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away and we fly. They quickly pass and we fly away. And then in verse 12, he says, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Do you know why he says teach us to number our days? Because our days are numbered. Teach us to understand that. When you have too much of anything, you are not disciplined with it. We think we have plenty of days ahead of us, and so we are so often not disciplined with them. That's what he's saying. Teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. I love what Aristotle says. Aristotle put it this way. He said, we should measure time in heartthrobs. Heartbeats. How many heartbeats do you have in a day? We should measure our time by heartthrobs. In essence, he's saying the same thing that Paul is saying. The second thing I want to look at, the second point in your note, this, this is the one that I want us to remember. To take your pen, put a star right next to number two. And go even further than that. You know when you really want to want to make sure that you remember something, you not only make a star, but you kind of go over that star about five times to make it real. That's what I want you to do with this. I, I want a dark star, a bold star right next to this because the future you is simply an exaggerated version of the current you. You stop and you think, well, what will I be like a year from now? What will I be like three years from now or five years from now? You will be just like you, just more of it. And I want to explain that because this is a point that I want us to all understand. See, if you're a kind person today, three years from now, you will even be a kinder person. If that's who you are, that's who you will become. If you're a generous person, a year from now, you'll be a little bit more generous. Three years from now, you will be an even more generous person. And as time goes on, you will just become more generous. That doesn't always mean money. It means with your time. It means you're actually willing to give time to people or give money to people. You're generous. But if you're a cruel person... Three years from now, you're going to be an even crueler person. 
You are going to be more cruel than you are now. And you know what? You're not just going to be cruel. You're going to be harsher. If that's who you are now, that, that, that is only going to get progressively worse. If you're a disciplined person, three years from now, you will be even more disciplined. And you will be living in the benefit of your willingness to discipline your life. And those disciplines will have benefits that will pay off in greater and greater fashion. Or maybe you're an angry person or a bitter person. Over time, you will become more. If you have anger issues, they will get worse. They won't get better. If you're bitter, your bitterness will grow deeper and deeper, and they will destroy you. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And when you do a word study on that, when you look at the original language, what it actually means is the wages of sin, the results of sin, is more sin. And it is a progressive process ultimately leading to death because it is so destructive. Which makes understanding this so important. How about this? When you're looking for a spouse, well, she's such a nice person, but, but th there is this one issue and then five years later, all hell is breaking loose, and you guys are at war, and there isn't a chance on earth you're going to reconcile because this grew to this. So we need to think about this if you're looking for a spouse. You see, time doesn't change who you are. Time reveals who you are. And not only does time reveal who you are, it makes more of who you are. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be different in the future. No, no, you're not. You're going to be you in the future, and it's just going to be more of you. Look what Proverbs eleven twenty seven says: Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to one who searches for it. Look at Proverbs twenty six twenty seven. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. In other words, if you're critical, that's going to come back on you. If you're judgmental, that's going to come back on you. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 2, he says, you're going to reap what you sow. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You spend your whole life watching TV, that's going to be who you are. Are. If you treat people nice, people are going to treat you nice. What goes around comes around. We've all heard this stuff. This stuff has roots deep in the Bible. Considering all that, let's go to point number three. If you're not happy with you, change what you are doing. Only a fool would keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. If you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. If you're not happy with what you're building, there's really good news. 
you begin to change what you're building. You start changing what you're doing. It is the redemptive story that God has for you and for me. It is why he gave us a savior. It is why God sent his son who willingly let them nail him to a cross. Yeah, I was intentional about putting 2021 on those notes because what you and I do this year is going to matter big time when we step from 2020 into 2021. And my goal is not that we come up with a New Year's resolution this morning. That is just not my goal. Maybe you can think back last year about what your resolution was for last year. I, I can't. I can't even remember what I was. I, I just can't. I probably can go back to my computer and look at what I preached on, and that might remind me. But I can't remember. But if you can remember, then my next question is, are you disappointed? And listen, if you're disappointed now, a year from now, you're going to be even a little bit more disappointed. Three years from now, you're really going to be disappointed. Because unless you and I change what we do, the results don't stay the same. They either get better or they get worse. Ah, but the wonderful news is it is never too late to change. Some of you are senior citizens and you're thinking, this, is, this, is, this isn't for me. Yeah, huh? It is if you're sucking air, it is never too late to change. If you're sucking air, God has has a plan and a purpose for your life. There are things that he can only do through you. Point number four, a little bit over a long time is better than a lot over a short time. My goal is not that we make a New Year's resolution here. My goal is that we settle down for these next three weeks and we talk about this. And we don't, we don't bite off more than we can chew, but we bite off what we know we're going to be able to chew and what we know we're going to be able to swallow and what we know is going to matter when we step from 2020 into 2021. I, I'm serious about this. Paul gets your attention in this passage of Scripture. He says, come on. Do, do you really want to end up the end of this year, having not moved forward or even, even more horribly, having gone down the wrong path. What we need to do, here's what we need to do. We need to tap into compound interest. And I don't just mean in the area of money in our lives, in the different areas of our life. We need to tap into compound interest. When you do what's good and what's right, you are doing more good and more right than you ever dream possible. You see, if, if you're in debt and you have credit card debt and you're going to make and you, whatever, whatever the size of that chunk is, but you're going to make a $50 a month payment, you could put any number on there. It could be $100. It could be $1,000. It could be whatever you, whatever you want it to be. But let's just go with $50 a month. 
But if you have credit card debt and, and you owe this amount and you're going to pay $50 a month till the day you die and there's going to be a balance that is still owed and somebody will have to pay that. So you'll live your entire life paying $50 a month and, and, the, and the mess will continue on and on. But, but if you're back here and you recognize what that debt is and you step up to the plate and you're willing to deal with that debt, and over time you resolve it, but you keep paying $50 a month every month into an, into an investment plan instead of paying it into debt, then over time, you're gonna, no matter, your choice is going to be this way or this way. But if you pay that debt and continue investing $50 a month, then over the course of, of your lifetime, you're going to end up with several hundred thousand dollars being out there. You get to choose that. And we get to choose that not just in the area of finances in our lives, but we get to choose that in the relationships of our life. We get to choose that in our relationship with our loving, caring, heavenly Father who laid it all down for us. You get to choose that with the closest people around you. You could treat your spouse the way God tells you to treat your spouse and live in the blessed benefit of that. Or you could treat her poorly and you could be headed into 2021 in a divorce court with a mess on your hands that you created that you don't see any way out. And we get to choose. We have the opportunity, if we're struggling in an area with fear of allowing God to take us through a process where he takes fear and he turns it into faith. And our, and our spiritual life is so much stronger. We have the opportunity, if there's bitterness in our lives or, or if somebody did something wrong, we have the opportunity to forgive them. And this healing process that only God can do takes bitterness and turns it into joy. And we live in the benefit of joy. Because the reality is people matter. The people in our lives matter. They matter so much more than things. We, we need to be willing to say to the people around us in our lives, to verbally stop and look at them and say, I love you. I love you. Or we can just walk by them day after day after day and sometimes make negative comments. See, this compounded interest thing, you, you, Albert Einstein put it this way, and, and, I think, and this is in terms of money, but it flows through in every area of our lives. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays it. Evil and good, both have compound interest. The thing I want us all to understand is that a year from now, or three years from now, you and I are going to be just what we are now in different areas of our lives 
only more of it. If they're good things, that's a good thing. If they're not good things, we need to change. Because there isn't anyone in this room that would say to me, James, a year from now, I want to be what I am, but just worse. What you do and what I do becomes who we are. Let's follow Christ more closely. Let's love the people around us more dearly. The average believer shows up in church 1.9 times a month. In other words, less than two times a month. I want to challenge you this morning. This is just one area. Let's be willing the entire month. Oh, look, I'm going to talk one month. Let's be willing the entire month of January. Let's be willing to be here as we talk about this very subject and as we look at how in our lives we can, we can do those little things with compound interest. And, and we're willing to give that as a sacrifice of our lives. Let's be here every Sunday in January. And if you happen to miss it, you can get online and you can watch it. I, I get that whole thing. That's not a bad thing if you got to do it. But let's commit to that. And let's be willing to think about this. And let's be willing to pray about this. And let's be willing to take this to our life groups and discuss this at a whole other level. I'm not asking you to make a New Year's resolution. I'm asking you, let's stop and let's give serious thought to where we want to be a year from now when it's the first Sunday in 2021. Stand with me this morning. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for this, our family, for this group that you have placed together. It's such a clear understanding, Father, that, that nobody is here by accident. Nobody just happened to be here this morning. But this is our church family. Most of us are our followers. And if you're here this morning and, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've never personally done that for you. And in other words, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that, that he died on a cross. They, they nailed him to a cross and he willingly let them do that. And then they placed him in a grave and he rose from the dead, giving real clarity to who he is. If you believe that and you accept that, then you accept him as your Savior and he gives you the gift of salvation. And he places you in this process of sanctification. If you've never done that and you like to do that this morning, you can, you can do that simply by believing that, believing that Jesus is who he said he was. If you'd like to do that this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, just for my sake, I'd like you to just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Go ahead and do that right now. Yes. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes.
Lord, we pray for your blessing. God, thank you for the hands that went up, for the fact that your family is even larger now and the process that you're doing in all of our lives is greater. I pray for each of us this morning as we stop and, and, and we would be willing to look at where we want to be a year from now in some of the different areas of our lives. And we turn to you in obedience to your word and to who you are and say, Lord, we are willing. Help us, Lord, over these next couple of weeks as we think about this, pray about this, and we move forward in this. Do it in our lives, we ask. In your precious and holy name. And everyone said, amen, amen guys. Let's sing together. Amen.